Welcome everybody to the Anthony Irwin Show. So what we were doing for this one, I recorded a uh, Twitter Spaces with uh, quite a few uh, of our listeners and readers there at Silver Skin and Roll on Twitter. Had a blast doing it. This is going to be something that we do every single week, uh, every single Tuesday afternoon, noon Pacific. We got started a little earlier today. Uh, <laughs> it's been one of those days. So Without further ado, I'm just going to throw right to the audio of that Twitter Spaces and then on the end of it, kind of summarize and get you guys ready for everything else that's going down either later today or moving forward uh, here on this feed. always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? And we're live. Welcome, everybody, to this live edition of the uh, Silver Screen and Roll podcast feed. I'm Anthony Irwin. I'm going to be joined over the course of this thing by any number of people who are either writing for Silver Screen and Roll, record with us. You guys are going to hop in here and I'm sure yell at me over some stuff as well. As I promised everybody on our shows, uh, I'm going to start this with some iTunes Q&A. So if you want a topic covered for sure in spaces like this, ask me a question on iTunes in the form of a five-star review, and I will get to those here and then eventually segue over to whatever you guys want to talk about as well. We have a lot, <laughs> obviously, to talk about. Ramona Shelburne dropped her article uh, about the state of the Lakers as well. Anthony Davis is going to be playing tonight, uh, or well, he's probable to be playing tonight, but I would imagine he he gives it a go. So we have that to, to, to look forward to. Frank Vogel's job appears safe for the foreseeable future, according to Dave McMenamin of ESPN. So I'm sure you guys have thoughts about that. <laughs> Just like, you know, your normal Tuesday <laughs> with these Lakers. I'll start, though, like I said, with, uh, <laughs> with some of these questions here from the Silver Screen and Roll podcast feed. Uh, we'll start here with, uh, chill B. Oh no. Well, well this, that's from August. All right. So from December, uh, Harrison, good news, more Harrison, less everyone else. Anthony can stay, I guess. Good to know. Uh, all right. Here's an actual question from two Oh five Ron John on January 12th. Uh, I am, uh, what actual teams do you believe are interested in a THT slash none trade? And what are they willing to trade? Well, according to, uh, Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer, nobody, <laughs> nobody is interested in uh, the Lakers' offer of Kendrick Nunn, Taylor Horton Tucker, and a 2027 first-round pick. Uh, I think that has to do with a couple things. One, right now, everything is about posturing. Everything is about, you know, look, we are trying to up the offers. We are trying to uh, make it look as if the last thing we want to do is trade the player that everybody knows is on the trade market. Uh, and and what that is forcing everybody to do is to improve their trade offers as they stand currently. 
the Lakers literally cannot improve. They cannot get any better than Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, and a 2027 first-round pick. Unless you want to talk about veteran minimum-type players or <laughs> 2045 first-round picks, that's not even legal. But but the Lakers, right now, as it stands, like when they go to a negotiating table, there really isn't much negotiation. The only thing that that they're really talking about is parts of that three-part deal that either get left off of the table or get added onto it, depending on what the offer is on the other side. So uh, when we hear, yeah, the Lakers, nobody's interested in the Lakers deal as of right now. Well, sure, of course, nobody's interested in their deal right now. Nobody's interested in talking to the Lakers because that deal cannot improve. Uh, I do think eventually, though, somebody will buy in and say to themselves, convince themselves that, yeah, that Talon is worth buying low on 2020 first round, 2027 first round pick, which will probably convey after LeBron is done with the Lakers. And when Kurt Rambis has fully assumed all responsibility over the organization, of course, some smart GM would want that and be in on those sweepstakes. Uh, It's just a matter of when teams stop trying to posture and start actually getting involved with actual legitimate offers. Uh, we do have my buddy, Aaron Larsoul, who hosts, uh, co-hosts The Hook with me on Fridays. He's tuning in or he's jumping on now. Aaron, how you doing, bud? Aaron, can you hear me? Mm, we're working on it. You guys can hear me okay, though, right? I can. <laughs> we have uh, two old people running or trying to make this thing work. Uh, so... Here we are. Uh, we have another request here. We have a request from Gary TMV. Let's uh, let's see what Gary has to say. Gary, can you hear me? Gary, are you there? All right. I guess not. All right. I'll go back to the questions then. Uh, the next one here from JRD603. Quote, I'd love to know what a day off is for a podcast host. Well, typical days off are... <laughs> This, uh, basically, where uh, even if I'm not recording, there's usually something going on behind the scenes, whether it's ways to expand uh, the network, whether it's different concepts that I'm thinking about doing, staying researched up on whatever it is that we're, what we're going to be having to talk about, all of that good stuff. That's usually the stuff that, that I'm doing on my, on my quote-unquote off days. It's also, like, let's, let's get it straight. It's incredibly you know, it it can take up a lot of time. It takes quite a bit of commitment, but like at the end of the day, we're talking sports. So, you know, I watch ESPN and I tell Jen that I'm working. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's really uh, not that crazy of a situation on my part, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of background research to try to make sure when I hop on there, I sound like less of an idiot than I, than I am capable of sounding like um, normally. Uh, I'm trying to see, Aaron, if we can get you on here. Let's see. Uh, add as a speaker. Aaron, let's try this again. Aaron, can you hear me now? Yeah, can I got you, brother. There it is. Woo! All right. You no, know, we goodness. got spaces. We got little Twitter and spaces issues, but now, now we're good. <laughs> Last time you pulled me up, it muted everything. And when I say muted, it muted me and it muted everything else. So. Uh, well, you didn't miss much, honestly. But uh, but so the the question about THT none and the first round pick. What, did did right. you hear the theory I, that I had there? Basically, 
Uh, I did, which was, I mean, basically that that this is kind of smokescreen season and uh, and um, yeah, posturing and mm-hmm. as we mentioned uh, on the hook uh, on Friday, um, when when leaks come out, whether it's whether it's from uh, you know whatever whatever part of the organization it's from, or if you're figuring out from where it came from, what organization it came from, it's always who does this benefit? So. Um, yeah, all GMs and front offices and teams are trying to put themselves in the best position to make what everybody else has seem not that valuable and whatever they have seem valuable. So I, I agree that there's a lot of posturing going on and and what you hear now may not be what you what teams actual stances are, you know, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I it's just these things always like I can only think of one group of procrastinators more clearly driven to procrastinate um, than like sports general managers and it's college students, right? Like, it, <laughs> it was, <laughs> like I was terrible at procrastinating. It was just, I always, I remember getting projects and, and I always, I apologize to anybody listening who was ever trying to work with me on a group project. Like, I would tell myself, yeah, I'm going to try this time. This is going to be the time. This is going to be the project that I'm not going to be up till four in the morning the night before it's due uh, trying to piece together. And then lo and behold, like it, that's just how it goes. And it's always funny when every trade deadline, there's always like one report out there that this trade line trade deadline just might be a little different than the other ones because there's so many teams that are going to be involved and there's so many teams who think they might get into the playoffs and <laughs> lo and behold just like every other trade deadline the last like 6 hours or so of the deadline is what really gets everything going to the point that like Woj finally tweets out like good lord or whatever it was that he tweeted and i think that's basically what we're seeing here it's like there's no reason for any of these teams to like why, honestly, why would the Lakers want to trade Taylor Horton Tucker when his when his value is at its probable lowest, right? Like this isn't it, nobody's like watching Taylor Horton Tucker and saying like that is the dude. Here he goes. Like he's going to look better next to Anthony Davis. He, we know he's on the market, and sure that doesn't necessarily change much. But like the the Lakers moving now and trading him for a, a bag of beans doesn't help anybody. Well, there, there's a couple of things. One, it's human nature, right? Like deadlines create activity. Mm-hmm. So part of it is just that's that's the human nature of it. Um, I was quite the procrastinator myself, <laughs> but um, but the other the other part of it, as it relates to THT, and I have to be a little bit careful here, but um, it is like it, it isn't a secret that he's available. But the reason that he's available is not because the Lakers don't value him. The reason he's available is you mentioned it earlier. Like there isn't, the Lakers do not have a ton of flexibility of movable pieces. And for two reasons, one, he's, he's young and has shown some promise. And two, he is the only mid range salary the Lakers have. It's pretty obvious that he's available, not because the Lakers don't want him, not because the Lakers are done with him. The Lakers don't think he's going to develop into possibly something really good, but he is basically the main piece salary wise that can entice uh, another team. So yes, he's available, but it's not because, you know, he doesn't have any value to the Lakers yeah. because 
people put like, you know, there's not a lot of moving pieces here. People have rightly put it together that if you're going to get anything back, salary wise slash talent wise, Talon has to be involved. Yeah, that that's the big thing is is like and this was always the concern and and you can comment on Hennessy being delicious if you'd like, Aaron, but like <laughs> <laughs> this was should we should we explain what that is our, to well, people in the spaces if they don't listen to the So show? if y'all don't listen to the hook, uh, which Aaron and I record every every Friday afternoon and normally he and I have a cocktail in front of us. I you know, I I usually go either Sazerac as a old fashioned or like a margarita is like plan B. Um, and then Aaron usually sits on Hennessy. And anytime I say anything, because Aaron has ties, obviously, directly back to the Lakers. Um, anytime I say anything that Aaron cannot comment on um, without <laughs> losing the aforementioned ties back to the Lakers, that, uh, that usually means he has to take a sip of Hennessy and just tell me how delicious uh, it tastes. And, and so... I'm lining him up again for another one here, but, and I know a lot of y'all who are listening to this uh, probably are sick of hearing about Caruso, but this was part of the issue with letting Caruso walk was that he would have been another movable salary. He would have been another player who at least like gives teams the sense that there was something either the Lakers could leave off of the table and still make salaries work or add to the pot and actually have, uh, you know, some kind of progressive negotiation. And because the Lakers just let him walk and didn't fill that salary slot, because even if it wasn't Caruso specifically, if you sign and trade the guy and you bring in another player at around nine or 10 million bucks or so, that allows you to have that additional financial flexibility. So it doesn't have to be just tailing at the center of all of these negotiations Especially if, like, especially like Aaron is saying, this is somebody who the Lakers and Talon, who the Lakers, like, yeah, they have to trade him if they want to be able to make some kind of a change here at the deadline. But it's not somebody that they, you know, definitively want to trade. Nobody in the Lakers organization, I don't think, is sitting here, woke up this morning and will wake up tomorrow and say, man, we would be so much better if we just didn't have Talon Horton Tucker. Like, that's not the case. It's, it's literally that they don't, they don't have any other options. So whether it was Caruso or another salary in that spot, that allows you to, to, to at least front and tell the other team that you're negotiating with like, oh, well, we really wouldn't like to include Taylor Horton Tucker here, but there is no but right now. There's, it's just, all right, I guess we just have to, this is the guy. This is the guy because everybody else is making 30 five plus or whatever insane number, the big three numbers, uh, the big three uh, guys are at. Um, Edwin Garcia is waiting to jump in here as well at Lakers takes. Uh, Edwin, let me know when you're ready to go. Um, so w- what are your thoughts, I guess, Edwin, on this part of the dis- discussion, Talon as a, as a centerpiece of a trade piece and how have you been receiving all of the, you know, kind of doom and gloom, pieces that we've we've heard and read so far this season uh, yeah th- thanks for having me on uh, uh so the doom and gloom i've been receiving as i've, I've understood this the minute the rust trade happened the minute the rust trade happened and and the the downfall or the the, the ongoing things that meant you know caruso was gone because they didn't want to pay or couldn't pay or what have you and everything that happened there i knew at that moment that 
it was clear the Lakers were all in on Russ. It was these three stars. And because of the decisions they made around that decision in the margins, they had to just sign all these vet minimum guys, hope they would hit on the most of them. And if that didn't work, there was not going to be any wiggle room because of the players they signed because of Russ and bringing Russ in. So, you know, it, I do a lot of uh, TikTok lives and things like that, you know, and I'm, I'm talking in a lot of these spaces as well as, as all of you are. And when people throw these trade scenarios or options or, you know, trade this guy, get this guy, I'm like, we don't have options because of the, the cap restrictions and because of the, the decisions they made, you are stuck with these guys. So in my opinion, in general, it's just a write it out year. It's, this is a team you decided to pick. This is what you've decided to do. And you're going to have to write it out with these players and this set of this set of players for the most part. And if you can get somebody, you can get somebody. But it's just unlikely because of like what you mentioned. There's just no one that's really tradable. There's no asset you have. And is there something that's really going to move you up to top three in the West at this point when we're we're 48 games done? It just doesn't seem realistic. And you know, one of those things. I think one of my parents told me once. But they're like, when you hear foot, when you see your steps in the in the ranch or something, think think horses, not unicorns, and it's that it's that situation. We're probably going to make a small, <laughs> we're probably going to make a small adjustment here, and it, uh, a less than impactful player. You talk about the trade deadline, right? You always hear these crazy things, you know. Oh, Katie's going the, you know, uh, the Sixers, and they're going to trade this, and ends up just being a rotation player that gets waived and a buyout that's not that big. You rarely really see really really big significant moves, unless it's the Celtics, you know, making a move you know, for one of the big three with another person who's associated with the Celtics. <laughs> Other than that, there usually isn't real, real big noise uh, at the trade deadline. So unfortunately, you know, we keep trying to figure out what rotation is going to work and what player you can pick up. And I think the answer we all have to accept is that we're probably not going to figure it out even if, if we keep trying to. So the horse unicorn line, like, I got to shake your parents' hand on that. That's, that's, that's a pretty, fantastic. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> that's a really good line. Um, I, 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 the one thing I do kind of want to push back on here though, is the notion that like, all right, if you want to say, realistically speaking, given the, given the assets that we're talking about here with the Lakers, that there isn't really a move that could put the Lakers into top three in the West or, or whatever. Uh, if you're just talking about the kinds of moves that, that, that get you there, I, I guess I could kind of sort of agree, but the thing with this season and this was what I talked to uh, Jazz Kang about yesterday on my show was the thing that would like piss me off to no end if I was a Sixers fan is that like everybody seems to be a piece or a trade away and everybody is an injury away. Like I thought this season was a wrap and I thought the Golden State Warriors were going to run away with it. Sorry, Aaron, I'm I, for, <laughs> for doing this to you here, but like you I know thought, what? <laughs> I thought for sure, like this was this was the Warrior season to to kind of run away with. And then you know Draymond gets hurt, and I believe you know they're saying that this this could be like a career altering kind of situation here for him. And you know if if you're if you're Phoenix. This opens it wide open. Like, can, can Phoenix make a move that just slams the door on everybody else? If you're the Lakers and you were nervous that you weren't going to be able to catch uh, Golden State talent-wise, uh, does, does this maybe get you back to the drawing board? Although, according to multiple reports, and as um, Aaron will tell you, like the Lakers have never really left the drawing board, it would sound like. Um, and, and 
you know, for, for anybody in the East, you know, Kevin Durant is, is out for four to six weeks and James Harden apparently hates the city of Brooklyn and Kyrie Irving isn't allowed to play in the city of Brooklyn. So everybody here has a legit shot. And I think here for the Lakers, yeah, I, I, do I think that would I bet on the Lakers being able to make a trade that, that puts them right back into that conversation? Probably not, but do I think that it's just a lost season when you have LeBron? That is just something I, I, I just can't get completely behind. What, what do you think there, Aaron? I, uh, yes, I'm in agreement that um, I thought this was the Warriors' title to lose. Uh, going into the year, I thought Brooklyn was the overwhelming favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but once we saw, you know, a month or six weeks of the NBA season, I thought it was the Warriors' title to lose. But I think you make a really good point. And, and it, it just coming into the year, was had never been as open as it as it has been you know the jamal murray injury the Kawhi injury i'm hearing there's chatter around the league see here we're doing this again <laughs> here we're gonna break here we're doing this again um hennessy is delicious hennessy is delicious hennessy yeah, <laughs> is in fact delicious but there there's a lot of chatter around the league that uh paul george may miss the the rest of the year um which i think would probably say to me that Kawhi is also likely to not push himself to come back, um, despite what we've heard recently. But Kawhi was hurt going into the year, right? And then there was all this question about Kyrie, which still hasn't been really solved yet. So I think even going into the year, it felt more open than it has in, in, in recent years. So, yeah, I mean, now I would say it looks like you know, Phoenix and, and Milwaukee are probably the most likely. But I think that should be encouraging to teams, including the Lakers, with the amount of talent that the Lakers have at the at the top end. I think it should be encouraging to teams to go for it. I mean, there was, there was a time in the NBA not too long ago where teams all the time just punted on even trying. Other than the Rockets, basically everybody said the Warriors are going to win, so why do we bother? Um, yeah, but that is not that isn't the case now. So I think it should encourage teams. Plus, the other the other part of it is there are the other the other part of it that kind of impacts the market as it relates to to buyouts and trades and all of that is that because of the play in game, there are far more teams. A, a, a little bit of a little small piece of this is also the the flattening of the tanking odds. Yeah. But I was going to um, add that too. But the fact that there is a play in it. You can convince yourself teams that are farther down in the standings can convince themselves that they are in the playoff mix. You know, for teams like for teams like the Pelicans, for teams like the Kings who haven't been in the playoffs, you know, ever, and uh, and and the Blazers who have this streak of going to the playoffs. You know, there I think there we're going to see, and and, and also that because they have a lot of guys that are rumored to be to be sold off. Um, the Pacers are a part of this too, a team that is never going to tank because the playoff revenue matters to them because they feel like if they have to go through a full rebuild that people won't show up to the building, they can still, even though they've been terrible this year, I think they have a lot of good players, but they've been terrible this year for various reasons. There's going to be fewer sellers than there normally are um, when it comes to the trade deadline. So 
that also impacts the pricing, right? If it's a that may, if it's a seller's market, if there if there is less supply because teams are holding on to their their players it's because cost of the dream, more. it's going to cost more. So that is also going to impact it. But I mean, it is as wide open as it's been in recent memory. The East is, you know, at least as good as the West, which hasn't happened in 20, 25 years. Um, and it's just wide open. So I think as it relates to a lot of these teams, that is changing the calculus um, going forward. Yeah, that that's the part of it that I just keep coming back to when I think of like, so when, when the Lakers were thinking about firing Frank Vogel, for example, and this offers us a perfect segue opportunity, but like when the Lakers were thinking about firing Frank Vogel, the part of it that I just kept coming back to was like, I just don't, I just, one, don't think that that solves the problem in any real way. And then secondly, I don't think David Fisdale is a better coach than Frank Vogel. I don't think, like, if, if you really believe in Phil Handy, cool, but, like, you really want to hand the keys to an already broken season to a rookie coach in uh, a season, by the way, that you are now seen as the expectation is, hey, can you turn things around and get us back to title contention? Cool, thanks. Like, good luck. Or if you bring in somebody from the outside, you're saying to that person, you have to hop in here. You have less than half of a season to implement your culture, implement your season. Uh, you aren't going to be able to hire all of your uh, you, the, the assistant coaches that you would prefer to hire because a lot of them are currently employed. So like, good luck to whoever you hand the keys there to. And that's why you know, I just thought that if the Lakers were interested in winning a championship this season, it had to be still with Frank Vogel as the head coach, even though I think, by the way, that, and, and, and you know, I don't even think this is necessarily an I think thing. I, I, I would bet on this. I, Frank is probably gone after this season, and, and yet that still tells me that he's still their best option. So, you know, do with that what you will, but at the end of the day, I just keep coming back to this, this, this championship is just up for grabs, and... I do think if you make the right move around the margins, bring in another wing. Right now, the problem with all the Lakers' wings is, and Stanley Johnson is shooting out of his mind lately, so that's been nice to see. But the problem with a lot of the Lakers' wings right now is they're either one side of the court or the other, or in Trevor Reese's case, neither side of the court. Um, and and so for you, for if you're if you're holding on to THT, and yeah, he has this really interesting and dynamic future ahead of him. I think. Uh, he also is like 6'4", and yeah, he has super long uh, arms, and he is sturdy enough, I think, to hold up when bigger guards try to post him up. But you're still talking about somebody who, if a 6'7", 6'8", wing rises up and tries to take a jumper, THD's not really going to be in their, in their vision, So, and, and especially anybody taller than that. And, and if the Lakers can turn him into uh, a taller, longer maybe more physical wing uh, and, and have that player be somebody who you can just definitively insert into your, your, you know, top five uh, players or your, your, your best lineup, sorry. Then like that is something that makes the Lakers a significantly better team in a season where they do, I think at that point, all of a sudden, once again, have a shot at a championship. And that's obviously what everybody is trying to do. And like you're saying, Aaron, the market there is going to be higher because everybody is trying to do it. But I, I just I just tend to disagree with the people who were saying, you know what, this is just who the Lakers are going to be this year. 
and we'll see how this turns out. I that that to me is is a, an approach I I kind of disagree with. Let's let's bring in somebody else here. Um, Hoosier Mama, uh, Keenan Mama is is waiting here to speak. Um, so Keenan, let me know when when you're ready to go, and and we'll dive in a little bit further into this. We still have to, by the way, discuss the the the. Ramona Shelburne thing and apparently Russell Westbrook uh, playing the only defense he's played all season in film rooms. So uh, we got to get to that as well. Uh, Keenan, are, are you there? Can you hear me? I'm here. All right. So uh, what, what are your thoughts uh, quickly about the trade deadline and the kind of approach that you would prefer to see the Lakers take here? Yeah, you know, I, I think I was nice to see Russ buy in a little bit last game and the last two games, really. I still think mm-hmm. that you can't win a title with this team with Russ on it. I know that trading Russ is basically impossible. But I mm-hmm. do wonder if there's a little bit with like the Clippers and John Wall and that rumor and maybe doing a three-way. Um, but The I, Rockets, what, you mean? The Rock? Oh, I see a three-way. Okay. Yeah, what I'm most yep. nervous about is them making a panic trade with THT when his value is like, as low as possible. And I think mm-hmm. it's better to just kind of punt on the season um, than make a horrible trade. Yeah, I don't think the Lakers would make a horrible trade here. Like, I don't know what we would even consider a horrible trade. I guess, you know, there are some who would say, like, Eric Gordon isn't enough for THT. Maybe Terrence Ross isn't enough for THT. I could maybe see that because you're foregoing any and all upside for somebody who might be able to help a little bit more. Gordon has has been better than I thought he was going to be this year. I don't know how much of that is situation and expectations, but... I think he's been fine. Aaron, without without getting in trouble for tampering, what do you think about uh, THT and and that next tier of player? If it isn't going to be Jeremy Grant, if it isn't going to be uh, Harrison Barnes or Gary Trent Jr., what about the next tier down when you're talking about the the Eric Gordons and, and those types? All right, without getting a... <laughs> yeah, we're talking tiers. We're, we're talking with, tiers. You don't have to talk about specific names. Yeah, without, <laughs> without getting a tampering fine, without getting myself in trouble, without getting the Lakers in trouble. Um, yeah. What I can, like, conceptually, what I can promise everybody here is that the Lakers are not going to punt on this year. Um, if there is It's hard to punt when you've already thrown a Jimmy G interception, is, is the one thing I would <laughs> oh, maybe say. <laughs> Is it going to be hard to punt when I'm going to spend fourteen hundred dollars to go? Oh my have, to, have to duck airplanes at SoFi to watch Jimmy G throw four that, interceptions on. That's Sunday. just that's just the service fees, right? That's not even counting the ticket prices. Exactly right, exactly right. <laughs> I'm like four grand all in, and I'm going to be ducking planes uh, coming and leaving LAX. You're going to be um, looking through the O in SoFi to be able to see through the to right. see the field, right. yeah. And I've, and I've already spent like an, another grand on food for the tailgate, food well booth, actually, food and booth for the tailgate. Yeah. Um, uh, so to not get a tampering fine and to kind of stay out of it, look, the Lakers are not going to punt on uh, this season. And it's going to sound cliche, but if you get to the playoffs, even even in a first round series against you know some of the West heavyweights, I don't I don't think anybody if the Lakers end up as a six seed, a seven seed, an eight seed, um, you know have to go through through the play in or, or whatever it is. I don't think anybody's really excited about playing LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And if you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it is obviously a, a pretty strong starting point. 
you know, <laughs> you can look just to the title 15 months ago if you want to. So the Lakers are not going to punt the season. Um, and the other thing I can promise you is the Lakers front office and Lakers management and Lakers ownership cares. And um, I will say I have not slept a whole lot in the last <laughs> 10 days or so. Um, but people are looking for solutions and looking for answers as it relates to what kind of, what kind of uh, tier of player the Lakers are willing to trade THT for. Um, I think if it's something that helps this year, I think you have to look at it and you have to be willing to, to do something now how much help versus what it's going to look like going forward. That is always the balance that has to, you know, you have, you have to strike, but the Lakers don't want to trade THT, but are willing to trade THT. And uh, look, I'll just go <laughs> without saying too much. I'll go back to what I just said. The Lakers are not punting on this season and everybody wants to win and everybody is committed to winning there is obviously going to be some different ideas as there were in the off season about how to reach that goal. But um, it is coming from a, a, an honest place. It is coming from a legitimate place and um, no stone is being left unturned. Is it going to, do I, do I, do I think that there's, you know, some big trade coming? Not necessarily, but it will not be for a lack of effort. How was that? Was that fair? That was that was that was very politically was well diplomatic. Spoken. That was, was that diplomatic was diplomatic enough. You know what, man? Aaron Aaron Larsol, twenty twenty four. I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> I, you, I, I assure you, do not want me in the presidency. We're gonna, change, the... we're gonna change some things, though. I promise you that. It's gonna be a lot of fun at the White House. The, the service fees at SoFi are gonna be lowered. That's what I'm I'm running on um, is, personally. That, that is, that is a solid platform, and if you could uh, enter office sometime before Sunday, I would appreciate it. <laughs> um, I, all right, so I, I guess the the trade and and the the, the deadline that's coming up, I think it's gonna, it's it's always this moving target. We're going to keep coming back to it. This is going to be a weekly thing, by the way. I'm going to be hopping on here usually an hour later in the day. Avery went down for her nap, and I got really excited, and I said, "Screw it, we're going right now." Normally, this is going to be at noon Pacific. We went at 11 a Pacific. Uh, shouts to Aaron for being flexible and, and still hopping on here um, regardless. But I do want to move on really quick. We have about you know, 10, 15 minutes left here. And Ramona's article uh, outlining a lot of the things that are going on internally with the Lakers sounds like you know a lot of the, the, the people who are upset with the Russell Westbrook trade are making it known to anybody who will pick up and answer texts uh, <laughs> from from inside about how they are upset at the Russell Westbrook trade. And the part that really kind of stood out to me is there was a quote from a source that says, there is no plan B. Um, and and Aaron, one thing that you and I and, and a lot of people who, who cover this team have really given Polinka a lot of credit for is the fact that he does outline plan A, plan B, plan C, plan D, and so on and so forth. As we saw with the Kawhi Leonard offseason, right? He thought that he was going to get Kawhi. Uh, the Lakers were very confident that they were going to be able to get this guy. 
he decides, nope, I'm going to go to the Clippers. I'm going to link up with Paul George, and we're going to go. We're going to we're going to carry on that that way. And Polinka just jumped right into Plan B, went with Danny Green, went with all of the moves on the peripheries after that, and eventually goes out and wins the championship. So it was really interesting to me that somebody within the Lakers is willing to say to Ramona Shelburne, "There is no Plan B here. We are, you know." I, and I don't know if that's if that's a result of the trade specifically. I don't know if that is the way that they're kind of looking at this, where they're just kind of flying by the seat of their pants and pants and trying to find some kind of a trade to improve this roster. But, but that phrasing to me really stood out uh, in, in terms of the way that at least some people are looking at the situation from within the walls there at uh, UCLA health center. Um, I think, well, I, I mentioned this on, um, on our show on mm-hmm. Friday that when things come out in the media, um, you look at who it benefits and you look at, you can try to figure out and, and determine from that who maybe is, is talking to whom. There's mm-hmm. also, you know, between reporters, agents, players, ownership, management, et cetera, there's, there's all of these relationship dynamics in play. Um, I will say that, um, you said kind of flying by the seat. The Lakers are not flying by the seat of their pants. Um, however, once you make the decision to, to trade for Russ and give up all of those depth pieces and all of those middle salaries that we talked about before, like, yeah, I mean, you kind of, there kind of isn't a plan B there can't, not there isn't, there can't be. Right. Once you mm-hmm. once you commit to three salaries at the level of LeBron, Russ, and AD, the rest of the team is basically going to be made of minimum salary guys. It it is, and especially uh, specifically Russ. Right. When you're talking about you know forty <laughs> ten or right, forty five, next year's going to be close to fifty million dollars. Like he makes the most money on the team. Correct. Yeah. Um, and you you see this with the quote unquote super teams, right? This was the case with uh, LeBron in Miami. This mm-hmm. was the case with the Warriors once KD was brought in. You're going to have roster turnover every year because you're going to be chasing the best you can in minimum salaries. You right. talked before about how the, the Lakers' options on the wings are, you know, they can either guard or they can score, right? Basically, so that's what you're going to get with minimum guys. You or some can do neither. Them. Like that, we have to we have to make sure that we we outline you, that you there did, are a couple you, guys you who did, cannot do you, either. <laughs> you did mention that. Uh, you did. I, I left that out, but you did mention that. Um, but that's what you're going to get. So right, you take a bunch of swings at these minimum guys. I would say Mello has been a success. I would say Monk has been a success. Uh, DJ not so much. Bays not so much so far. Ellington not so much so far. But this is what you get when you dig into the, the minimum bin, right? There's a yeah. reason There's a reason guys are available for the minimum. They usually can't do it every night and or can't do it on both ends. And so, but that also kind of by its nature doesn't leave you with a lot of options via trade, right? I, there, I think no plan B is kind of alarmist and overstating it, but like, mm-hmm. frankly, there aren't a lot of options via trade just because there are not a lot of salaries that can be sent out yeah. to bring back anybody that's going to help that much. 
Yeah, this um, was this was something I spoke to Jovan um, when he and I previewed the Russell Westbrook season. This was way, way back uh, before the season even started. We basically both said that, hey, if this doesn't work out, the Lakers have basically zero options. And, you know, this is this is always going to be the case. This is where they stand right now. And again, like you said, uh, both just a second ago and then on, on the Friday show, when somebody has a when somebody has an agenda and uh, you know, obviously I would imagine the rust trade was very polarizing within the organization. Those people who are now on delicious, (laughs) those people who were on the right side of history, at least right now are going to want to make it known that they were on the right side of history. That's, that's how you advance in corporate America is all right. These are the things that, that are wrong with us. These are the people who are responsible for the things that are wrong with us as an organization. These are the people who disagree with those things that might lead us to be in this spot in the first place. Let's see if we can give more responsibility to the people who disagreed with the things that uh, led us to be in this in this spot. And and that is normally, by the way, something that we see after a season is over. Like I find it fascinating that all of these leaks are coming with before the all-star break we aren't even (laughs) we haven't even gone to cleveland yet lebron hasn't even played in that all-star game in cleveland yet and we're and we're getting the 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 lead to uh the the pointed leaks and the 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 fingers that are being pointed throughout the organ like it's wild that we're already here and you know a message that is being sent when you have stuff like this going on is this shit's over so i don't i like i i (laughs) That's the part that I, I find myself kind of mind boggled over the most. I want to bring in another speaker here. So we'll go with, uh, I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm choosing y'all um, as, as you show up in my, in my list here. So uh, OVO Lake Show, I'm going to add you as a speaker and, and see where this thing goes from here. But, but that, Aaron, like, I know that's not the message that the Lakers want to put out there that this season is over with this leak with these leakings and stuff like that. But the fact that we are getting these leaks, like that's where I am led to, you know, that's where I land given not just all of the leaks, but the, the, the kinds of leaks and, and how clearly there, there are agendas being served by leaking here. So I, I I understand why that is a conclusion you would come to. Um, Mm -hmm. Me especially. But, I get it. I know. I know. I'm <laughs> sky's falling. I get it. <laughs> no, I mean, that, that is a fair read on it. I'm not going to tell you it's not a fair read on it. What I will tell you is that no one internally thinks that. No That's one good. thinks it's over and no one is quitting. And um, is it going to turn out like we all hope it's going to turn out? It doesn't seem as likely right now as, as we hoped and we thought. But I, what I will promise you and everybody in here is that no one internally is giving up. No one internally has quit. And like, as, as disappointing as it has been for all of us so far, like everything is technically still there. Everything is still out in front of us. So Mm -hmm. no, no one internally has given up that, that I will promise you. And again, I'll I'll go back to what I said. I mean, who who cares who I am, but I haven't slept in a a long time. I (laughs) I don't sleep a lot anyway but I haven't slept in a long time. And again, like I know factually that no stone is being left unturned. Will it get, will it get us where we all want to go? It doesn't look great right now, but it won't be for a lack of effort. 
I know I know the Lakers are committing a lot of turnovers, Aaron. Like that's that's part of the problem here. Um, <laughs> 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 all right, that's good. That is that's good, by the way. <laughs> Shub, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing your your name correctly. Here is it, is it Shub? It's Shub. Uh, Shub, sorry, yeah, Shub. I know it's okay. People get that wrong all the time. I appreciate you having me on, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so what do you think about the the nature of the leaks and where the Lakers currently stand? By the way, you Listen. don't have an hour to, to be able to talk. This is <laughs> no. Absolutely. What do you I think about understand. the world? <laughs> <laughs> and where do I start? It's such a loaded question. Uh, first of all, yeah. I appreciate you having me on. And can I? Uh, I want to ask. Can I share a tweet, which I think would really. Uh, showed this pretty well. I hosted our last space. I just want to share a tweet at the top above um, that I think would really illustrate all the leaks you're discussing. Um, sure. It was just like a list I kind of went over in my space. I, I literally took the time to write down last week what was happening the last 96 hours stemming from the 37 <laughs> point loss from Denver. And when I just put it into context and just listed it all down, um, we talk about the panic button being activated like if that list does not define that a team should be in panic mode, I don't know what what really qualifies that with everything that we're seeing. And it, it really comes to fruition with the Ramona, Ramona article today. I haven't seen a ton of it, uh, personally admitting. Um, but I think what Aaron said was, was spot on. We're, we're definitely not giving up. But what I think is an interesting facet now is with the trade deadline, we're going to see between where's the line between not giving up and pure desperation out of the moves we make. Uh, you know, I personally believe that 2027 first round pick, that's not desperation. That is an asset we have. And even though it's down the line, we need to give that up, even if it means not having first round picks for quite honestly, almost a decade. But we are in a position to do that. So I think we're going to be able to see in the deadline what kind of moves are going to illustrate if we're really not giving up and it's a move to win. Or maybe, you know, a, a, a move that will come into fruition maybe in March or April that seemed like a desperate move, but maybe, you know, didn't di didn't come out the way we want it to be. So, um, you know, it, it's definitely a lot going on, a lot riding on this trade deadline. I do believe we stand pat. It's going to be a very hard uh, rise to the top. Um, but yeah, man, reading these leaks, just like everyone else, try not to, you know, uh, dive into the fan hole NBA trade machine who everyone thinks is uh, uh, David Griffin on Twitter. But, uh, you, you know, I'm just in standing pat. <laughs> really nervous on my end of things so no i want to hear it what, what you got for me on the trade machine i want to hear oh it. no dude that's what i'm saying no i'm staying away from that stuff edwin i'm staying away from that stuff i got i got one trade like wish list guy that i want um, who is it who's who's it. your yeah, who's your go, let, let, come on yeah you. my my perfect fit for the los angeles lakers i've said this since november uh would be eric eric Giannis. Oh, Eric, okay. <laughs> I said Eric Gordon. Um, I know he's another guard that people don't want to really talk about because we need more wing defense, and I completely understand that argument. Um, I just think that the story, I think where he's at in his career, the experience he brings us from the from the Western Conference Finals at his time, his ability to defend and still put up points right now with a young team uh, could really be useful for us uh, at this moment in time. But what do I know? <laughs> what do I know? So. And and like to to the point that we were making earlier about the competition for assets and stuff like right now is is mm -hmm. Kevin O'Connor is saying that Eric Gordon is going to fetch a first rounder that the Houston yeah. Rockets aren't even talking to anybody who aren't willing to include a first rounder for Eric Gordon and no question in prior in prior deadlines I can and and I have been doing this for a, a little while now and I've been paying attention obviously to the to the league for a long time Eric Gordon would have fetched like. A, a couple second rounders or maybe a decent second rounder and a conditional second rounder on top of them. That was yeah. not the kind of player who like it would take a hefty price to get. But like Aaron said earlier, there are so many teams who think that they're in competition this season. And there are so many teams that think that 
hey, we can generate some playoff revenue by just making the right move and winning a play-in game. Yeah. Um, that, I'm sure there are a lot of owners who are telling their, their, their front offices, exactly. hey, go out and get the guy that helps me generate a few, uh, maybe a, an extra couple mil uh, that we wouldn't normally generate in past seasons. So exactly. I, I'm, I'm with you. I really like Eric Gordon. He's playing really well this season. Um, and and it'd, be, it'd be fun to, to see Clippers fans like have to experience Eric Gordon <laughs> winning a championship with the Lakers. Like I'm yeah. always here for, for that kind of pettiness as well. Uh, but yeah, it's it sounds like it's gonna it's going to cost the Lakers if if that's something that they're going to do. And and I love your points too. Listen, I like the one class I paid attention to in college was Econ 101, and it's literally supply and demand. Supply and demand. The demand <laughs> yeah. for Eric Gordon is going crazy. You're right because he would just fetch a second rounder in previous years. But man, is the demand high for this guy? And I know what a lot of people are thinking. We have a lot of three point shooters on our roster already, but they're very conditional three point shooters. We have about four or five. Yeah, guys that's a great word for me, it. That shoot me. Uh, that shoot. Not shoot me. Uh, shoot 37 percent or higher. Uh, from from the clip as a clip, but we are 15th in the league in three point makes as a team. So at the volume is is honest, obviously already there. Uh, but I think Eric Gordon, who can not only shoot uh, at a catch and shoot rate with LeBron, but a guy who can also play make, who we're seeing from Malik Monk. If we have an additional kind of Malik Mike uh, Malik Monk archetype next to him, um, that that would be deadly as well with Kendrick Nunn as well. And I think those three guards mix and match together. Uh, I think LeBron's load would be a lot easier with AD managing everything down low. So I think Eric Gordon would be a perfect fit. I think he's ready to win a championship, and he's in the best situation to get out of. And honestly, I think there's some realisticness there to get him out of Houston and into into an organization that's uh, planning to win. Yeah, Shub, he's Shub, question. Yeah, are you ready to change the battery on your smoke detector? Yeah, that's it, dude. Those things always—it's <laughs> right next to me. It was happening all morning. You, you already know what it is, man. Every single other, every other month, this thing goes off. And <laughs> Damn, Aaron, that was cold, man. That was cold. No, I appreciate the call out because this happens every other month. I don't know if anyone else. There it is again. So I, yeah, I gotta, I'm gonna do that before the game for sure. Thanks for the good thing. luck figuring out hey, which one it is. Send, DM me your address. I'll send you some nine volts. Absolutely, here's, here's, coming right up. <laughs> here's the joke that needs to be made here, guys. It's that there are so many fire takes being sent off that, like, yeah, that's why once a month his his fire alarm is going. Like somebody out there is saying something ridiculous that would set this house on fire. And yeah, five out of ten times it's normally me. Hey man, Anthony, it's not a coincidence. He's, he's a dog in the this is this is okay meme. That's what it is. He's sitting in that room that's inflamed. Like, oh, this is faces. Hey, like, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's not we're a coincidence. Just, we're just it's a move or two away. Come on, guys. We're it's also away. not a coincidence that I joined this uh this space particularly with you guys and it's the fire. And then it started going, going off. off either, so, so. <laughs> also look out for that. You guys you guys spin spin some heat too. So hey, right, well, I, have a, I have a qu- I have a question for you about Stanley Johnson. I know his 10 day, I think it's up this week. Uh, yeah. Do you have any feeling if he's going to get a permanent contract or if he does get released, what does that tell you about the current situation? I mean, if uh, he gets released, it's time to, it's time to get Shove's fire alarms <laughs> really, really going. Um, yeah. But I, I, I think he probably has to be retained at this point, just because like we just talked about with Eric Gordon and like Eric Gordon, I, I, I agree. Like there are parts of his games that would really make a lot of sense for what the Lakers are looking to do, but he is another like, he's he's not a, a tall wing you know he's not somebody who you know one of the issues right now with the Lakers defense is that if you get any kind of wing uh with any kind of size and you don't have LeBron on that wing that that wing is generally feasting right now because they they can just raise up and jump over everybody um and and 
Stanley is one of the very few guys on the Lakers, uh, maybe the only guy on the Lakers not named LeBron, who has wing size, wing athleticism, quick feet, um, and and didn't you know pass away a couple seasons ago, like like uh, a couple of the guys that are currently on the Lakers roster. And I think with what he brings to the table, I know Frank Vogel. He's the kind of guy that Frank Vogel would seriously value. It's going to be fascinating tonight to see where those minutes go now that AD is back and there's going to be more competition on the wing. And I think that is really going to indicate to us what the Lakers are going to do with with his uh, contract situation after the 10-day. Aaron, uh, do you do you want to, to, to give a couple thoughts there? I expect, yeah. oh, go ahead. I, expect, I expect Stanley Johnson to be back. There's that uh, fire alarm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I expect. Uh, I expect Stanley Johnson to be around for the rest of the season. All right. There How we about, go. How about that? There it is. Um, all right. I, I've been going here. I got to turn this into a podcast still, and nobody's trying to listen to 55 minutes of, of, of a lot of me rambling. So I'm going to end this thing here. Again, this is going to be something that we do every single Tuesday afternoon right here on Twitter. And then eventually, as you guys are maybe listening to right now, on the Silver Screen Roll podcast feed. Until next time, I'm Anthony Irwin. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week.